Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. And we're back. Thanks for joining us once again. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I'm so grateful for all of your, you know, um, I guess dedication to this show. I cannot believe how much we've grown. And it's because of you guys, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in week after week. I also like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Veracity Networks, and iHill Institute. You guys are fantastic. You guys do amazing at what you do. And I'm just grateful that you believe enough in me to, to sponsor this. And it really allows us to get this message out to so many people. And uh, I'm just grateful for that. And I've had such amazing guests on. And today, not only do I have an amazing person, um, we've known each other for quite some time now. And, and I actually consider him a friend. And um, it's Thomas McConkie. Thomas, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Todd. Happy to be here. <laughs> Man, he, he, you know, you're going to love him because not only does he have a great story, but he's so well-spoken. And he's got you. I don't know if you've. I'm sure you've heard this, but you got the best voice. Really? Yeah. It's like the, the radio voice. It's like the radio. <laughs> it's it's more like no, more like a yoga Buddhist <laughs> voice. Well, I I am a meditation teacher for a living, so it, I guess I went into the right profession. Yes, you did, and your voice does that. But uh, you know, you are um, you're you're the author of Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis. You love writing. You said you've got two other books that are in manuscript, just haven't published them yet, but you're gonna probably do that soon, I would imagine. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully. <laughs> um, you've been a mindfulness teacher for over 20 years. I've been practicing almost 25. Is it coming up teach, to 25? Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. I love that's, it. Yeah. And, and you're really amazing at it, by the way. Thank um, you. You know, you do, you're a researcher and a teacher uh, in the field of adult development. Mm -hmm. um, you're the creator of Lower Lights, which I wanna talk a lot about. Because sure, that's yeah. such a cool thing. Be fun, thanks. Um, you have you have a powerful online course called Transformations of Faith. Oh, you knew about that. Oh I yeah. Hey, look at you. Oh heck, you've done your research. I, hey, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, you had a really cool experience of a faith healing thing that happened when you were twelve years old. I want to touch on that. That really kind of opened your eyes to a lot of things, even as a twelve year old, which actually plays a part in what you're doing now. Even I think, um, you you know you just you live a very simplistic life. Um, we just talked about, you know, you, you, you're married, you, you just have a, a brand new child. Well, 13 months, yeah, his name is yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. So right. congratulations, Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, but I just, I, again, honestly, the reason why I reached out to you, Thomas, is I love, love the way you carry yourself. Hmm. Um, you're, you feel very safe. Um, I've heard people say that other mutual friends that we have will oh, mention wow. that as, about you. And oh, wow. I've met with you, uh, for some help as well. And I felt the exact same. I just felt safe with you. Mm. I think that's probably your best quality that I'm aware of. I'm sure you got many more. Wow. Um, but I just I just love the way you carry yourself and the way you treat people. Mm. And uh, I think people need to hear your message today. Well, that means a lot coming from you, Todd, because since I knew you, since I met you and learned about your work, I've been so impressed with who you are. And sitting with you right now, I feel the same way I did the day I met you. Like my heart is just touched. You have oh, such wow. a tenderness mm. about you that opens my heart up. And uh, I just value the friendship and I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. 
Well, why don't we just start? Um, you, you're doing a lot of amazing things right now, which we'll get to, but I want people to get to know you a little better. Sure. Ask know? me a question. It's like, <laughs> it's like we're on our second date in front of an audience, <laughs> and it we? somehow doesn't feel awkward. I'm yeah, like, it doesn't, yeah. Let's do it. What would you like to know about me? Well, let's start with where did you grow up, and tell us about your family life and a little bit about your childhood. Well, my dad was in law school in Seattle when I was born. So I grew up on the Puget Sound. Oh, and it's beautiful. Uh, my parents tell me one of my favorite things to do when I was a toddler was to ride that ferry across oh, the Puget yeah, Sound. So, so the waters of the Puget Sound got into my bones, my marrow. Um, but <laughs> after my dad graduated from law school, we came to Salt Lake City where a lot of our family is. And I've, I was in Salt Lake in my formative years from about age three to 19. Okay. This is where, you know, my soul was forged. Your soul was forged. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good so, way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I left for many years and yeah. then came back after many years. And I've, yeah. I've, my most recent stint here, it's 10 years and counting. Wow. So That's we cool. can fill in some details, but yeah. Well, one thing I'm, I want to just, just hit me is you're very calm. You have this <laughs> And maybe talk to my wife, talk to your wife. She might tell me a different story, <laughs> but you have a calmness about you. I think it's yeah. part of what we said earlier about this safe feeling that people have around you. Yeah. Have you always been like, were you like that as a kid? Were you pretty kind of even kill or, or did this kind of mature over time? I mean, I, if I had to guess, you know, in some ways you have to ask a parent or an older sibling <laughs> about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think whatever calm you're picking up on is probably more cultivated than like born with. Okay. I think if you looked at me as like a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a 12-year-old, I was a yeah. little more, I think rambunctious was a word I learned from a young age. Like <laughs> my mom keeps calling me rambunctious, what's that? <laughs> so I think rambunctious sure. was my energetic style. Yeah. But I, I was really like changed by meditation. I got into meditation when I was 18 years old, which is yeah. some time ago now. And that opened up different dimensions of my sure. life. And so maybe yeah. like my baseline state when I sit down on a comfortable couch with a friend. Yeah. They say like, man, you seem really calm. <laughs> but I can get rambunctious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we got to get your wife on here. <laughs> totally. <laughs> to really answer that question. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know, just you, again, you just, you you have this energy about you that, <laughs> that again, I, like you said, when we first met even, I could feel this from you. And it's no different today. It's like... Like it's like we never left that uh, that meeting that we met in, and yeah, totally. so it's been wonderful. <laughs> um, so what did, what were some of the things you did as a child? What were what were you into, and what uh, what were things that you, you know, maybe a hobby or something that you fell in love with? My dad, he called me a Renaissance man when I was okay. like in sixth grade, which that just came to mind, but it was. <laughs> Uh, you know, which was, you know, really a compliment coming from my father, but I, I loved art. I was really a prolific artist. I loved mm. to play chess. I loved music. I was a trumpet player in elementary school. Trumpet. So it's kind of, I was kind of a man of the arts when wow. I was younger right. and I loved all that. I also loved uh -huh. athletics. You know, I did all, um, grew up in Utah. So it was mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, rock climbing, and all the local fair. Right. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. So did, tell us, did you, did you have siblings? Yeah, I grew up with six siblings. Six siblings. Talk about that and how was that? Uh, where did you fall in the pecking order? I was. I'm second. Okay. Second oldest. Okay. Um, <laughs> and how, what to talk about? I think um, in some ways I'm a stereotypical second child. Like the the oldest child is so talented and successful and obedient. How can I possibly compete with that? I'm gonna just break off and do my own thing. I think, yeah. you know, you read the psychology, I think yeah. the second kid tends to do that. Tends to do that, yeah. That was me, so yeah, 
growing up with siblings, you know, I, I think I kind of came into a really stormy period in yeah. my adolescence. Uh-huh. So I fell away from my relationship, my close relationships with the siblings and was kind of uh, kind of stormy and lowering yeah. and, you know, looking to start something on my own. That comes to mind when you sure. ask about okay. growing up with a lot of siblings. Um, yeah. But if I go back even before, funny, why did I just go to my adolescence directly? That's where right. the darkness is. <laughs> but if I go back before that, I mean, it's, you know, like I have brothers like a couple years older, or younger, yeah. and we're like a pack of wolves and yeah. we hardly ever came home. Like I, right. it's like those were back <laughs> in the days and like kind of suburban, Utah where we would just go out the front door in the morning and we'd play games all day with the kids in the neighborhood like like free-range children and come back for dinner (laughs) that's how I grew up right and now my wife talk about it enviously like can we even trust our kid with the people next door for 30 minutes we should you know like it's a mentality is completely changed it's amazing (laughs) like I saw this picture um I I don't know it might have been on like Facebook or something and where it showed a picture back in the day where you knew where all the kids were at because all their bikes were piled in the, on the oh, lawn, yeah, in the front, I right? I totally remember that. They're all just like seven yeah, bikes. Well, everyone's yeah. at this house, right? Totally. Whereas you don't see that anymore. No, And no. it's just different, yeah. you know? It just yeah. really is a lot different, which is, yeah. you know, I guess it can be good or bad either way, but uh, yeah. it's interesting how times have changed. Have. So I grew up, I was born in 1980, and that's, I grew up in yeah. the 80s, and that's how we grew up in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Your parents never knew where you were, but you were probably safe. Probably safe. Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Well, so um, I mentioned in uh, the introduction, you know, that uh, when you were 12 years old, I mean, you grew up in a religious family, obviously. Yeah. um, And that was a big part of your life. I mean, still is. Still is. No, I know that. In beautiful ways. Yeah. In in a lot of beautiful ways. We'll talk about that. Sure. sure. Don't want to pretend. I I wasn't correcting you. I was just being emphatic. (laughs) Like, yeah. Totally. Religion. That's Still like the family time. business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The family business for sure. Well, you you had something going on at 12 and you you experienced something pretty cool. Yeah. Will you just explain that story to our listeners for us? Yeah, you're talking about that, the, uh, the faith healing. The, the faith healing. And I, I thought, man, that was really this. cool. Isn't it wild? I mean, our lives are comprised of innumerable moments, right? Yeah. Like yeah. infinite moments. And yet there was a moment when I was 12 years old, I reflect on it not daily, but probably weekly, changed me. It's just like in the substance of who I am. Yeah. I got really sick. It was uh, one, I mean, back, we had big winters when I was a kid. So it's like, imagine the snow piling up like, you know, six feet high, let's exaggerate (laughs) a little bit. It's just so snowy and dark and wet. (laughs) And I had this terrible flu. When you grow up with that many siblings in the house, you get some crazy viruses whipping through there. (laughs) I was super sick and just like, uh, just pale and, trembling and feverish and i just had never been so sick in my life yeah and my granddad my grandparents lived down the street they were close by and my mom's just like oh tommy can we can we have my dad up to give you a blessing she's just so tender my mom is such a tender being and uh, mm-hmm. actually your heart reminds me of hers like when oh, i'm around wow. you i just feel this tenderness like oh wow yeah it's amazing Thank you. so i just feel right at home but she's just was so tender said like we can we have my dad up she she said he has the power to heal and to, to this day, like that, that's so meaningful yeah. to say that about somebody because there are people, y- you're sure. one of them. I mean, I know oh, you to thanks. be a healer yourself and it's such a spiritual gift. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I, you know, I didn't even hesitate when I was, you know, when my mom said that, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. be healed. 
Why not? I'm in. What, yeah. How how could I say anything but <laughs> yes to that? Yeah. He came up, and um, I've written about this in like very like meticulous detail, mm-hmm. which would probably be bad radio if I tried to give you all <laughs> the details. But I'll give you like the sense of it was. Yeah, please. My granddad shows up. He's a super ordinary guy. He shows up in his like overcoat and his scally cap. Uh-huh. He's, you know, old at this point. I can't remember how old at the time. He was old, you know, yeah. well into his 70s. Sure. Kind of hunched over. He was about 5'10", taller in his prime. Uh-huh. You know, you get a, he's a Swiss-German guy, bumpy <laughs> nose. Yeah. He just, he's just a venerable man, you know. The, the family loved him, respected him for his, like, just simple spirit. Yeah. He just had a quality of love about him. Anyway, that's as much as I'll say about the healer. And Yeah, that's good. At any rate, um, he just sat me down on a chair, um, as is our tradition. He had some consecrated oil mm-hmm. and just put it on my head and said a blessing. And what I remember so distinctly about that experience was it was like my body was on fire mm. during the blessing. Wow. And I was too young. I didn't have like a belief system around this stuff. That's what's kind of beautiful about our childhood. For sure. We're just these kind of like naked, naive, mm-hmm. physical beings. Like the way the world happens to us, it's like it's like a wave hitting you. It's yeah. just sensation. You just feel it in your life. Yeah. This blessing just splashed over me and drenched me and my body was on fire but yeah. but it was a flame that didn't consume mm. it was this purifying flame wow and it was like my first memory of being holy wow and you know i'm a jaded adult now <laughs> with lots of wounds and neuroses and hang-ups <laughs> you know i'm kidding i'm kind of kidding i'm kind of kidding I'm an I know adult what you're now. Saying, we though. lose touch with we that. Do, we do. And yet, er, I think I reflect on this experience so much because I know in my heart, like, w- when I knew myself to be holy in that moment, I am still that. Yeah. And I will never not be what I felt myself to be in that moment. And neither will you, for that yeah. matter, or anybody. Like, I, sure. I learned in that moment how holy just the nature of all creation is. And over time, as I grew older, Sorry. that yeah it's okay thank you sorry no just getting emotional here a little bit it's lovely yeah the way you said i wasn't expecting that actually what weren't you expecting i don't know Um, (laughs) (laughs) but but when you said like i realized that i was holy i i just reminded me when we were kids we, we 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 had it figured out that's right and i think when we get older like you said we struggle and i think that's what hit me is that man we had it figured out when we were younger that's right you know Right. It's like I always say to my clients, let's let's get back to not being childish, but childlike. Yeah. You know, so thank you for sharing what you said. That just really hit me hard. And I apologize. For no, it's getting a, well, emotional. No, <laughs> let's tell the story together. I mean, that's what it is. So I yeah. over time as that experience ripened in me. I saw it everywhere. I, it's, I saw yeah. the holiness of humanity. I saw the holiness of the plants and the animals and the, the rocks yeah. and the mountains and the lakes and I think my adulthood is all about holding an intention to preserve that insight. If I do nothing but just like hold that gem yeah. close to me, I, I I trust that like a good life will come from that. You mentioned you think about this almost w- weekly. Yeah. I mean, it happened when you were 12. Totally. But I think that's what you're saying. You're trying to preserve that and remind yourself, man, that's that's me. Yeah. That's who I am. That's right. I'm holy. That's I'm, right. I I was good, you know, and you felt that, like you said, that 
that fire that wasn't wasn't consuming but purifying. Yeah. I love that. I love how you said that. Thank you. It gave me chills. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I. This is what's coming to mind. I mean, we recently celebrated Independence Day in the United States. And, yeah. Um, uh, there's a hymn called the Battle Hymn of the Republic that yeah. has been sung since the Civil War, actually, yeah. in the United States. And there's there's a line in that hymn that I'm reminded of right now. I think it, I think it goes in the beauty of the lilies. Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. That glory, Christians call it Christ. And I I know, you know, from living around the world and other people know this as well, that other people have other names for it. But that glory in Christ's bosom that we speak to, that's the same glory in our bosom. And, you know, my... My sense as a Christian, we can talk about my Buddhism later on, but my sense as a Christian. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Is that there's a glory in our bosom and there's a light and a fire that transfigures us and it's real. And I feel so much of our lives is about coming into relationship with this transfiguring light and remembering what we've always been. And then I think what's key is expressing what we've always been in the world and sharing that with others. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Yeah, That's, so thanks for giving me the chance to relive it. It yeah. changes every time and it deepens and I feel it in your well, it's heart. It's amazing right what now. it does to the room, like what I'm feeling right now, right? Right. Because again, it's a reminder that you're, right. you're speaking truth here and we're both feeling it. Right. And this room's lit up. Yeah. I mean, seriously, listeners, I mean, it's, totally. it's just lit up. Totally. Um, so thanks. It's um, remarkable. And if I may, please. Like, is I'm just like in the moment with you and it does feel just so beautiful right now. I just feel my heart open and alive and connected to you and everybody. Um, When the Prince Siddhartha like woke up, you know, this getting into Buddhist history here, the prince sat under a tree. He said, I'm not moving until I figure out this whole suffering thing. Like there's too much suffering in humanity. There's gotta be a better way. And he breaks through, you know, the, the, the accounts in the tradition are amazing. But the the prince, the future Buddha, he breaks through and he stands up and he says something to the effect of, oh, wonder of wonders, truly all beings have this nature, right? And that's what it feels like. Whatever language we speak, whatever tradition we're from, there's this sense of like, yeah, how does it feel this good in the room right now? How could my heart possibly be so full of love right now? How's it, oh, wonder of wonders. So that's become, you know, my my livelihood my my work in the world i i look for creative ways to help people experience this yeah deepen in it anchor in it and share it with others in their own unique way yeah love it end of show that's it that's all i have to say okay we're done thanks for joining (laughs) us now um (laughs) no i want to keep on this because you know that's one of my questions that I have for you is I wanted to ask you, why do we suffer so much? Yeah. Why do people suffer? And I want to get to that. But you, I think I want to point out and, and maybe for our listeners too, sharing that story is a vulnerable thing for you to do. It's uh-huh. vul- that's you putting your heart out a little bit here. Hey, yeah. here's something that's really personal to me. Yeah, that's true. And it's amazing how powerful vulnerability is. Mm-hmm. And I just was feeling like you're being so vulnerable. I know you know me, but... You know, and then we got a you know over a hundred thousand listeners listen to this, but <laughs> but uh, I just always am blown away how vulnerability can bring a room together, yeah. it can connect us, 
And uh, I felt that when you were just being vulnerable. Thank you. You know? Yeah. No, it is. It's remarkable how that works. I don't know how that works, but I yeah, I oh, know that works too. <laughs> and oh, wonder of wonders, right? Right. And, and I think part of that story were, when Buddha became Buddha, right? He was like, why, are, why is everyone suffering so much? Why, yeah. why is everyone struggling? Right. What's going on yeah, here? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I want to figure this out. Yeah. Right? No, he was like the world's first addiction counselor. Yes, he was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you look at it that way, he really was. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really, I love the Buddhist philosophy and, and the teachings. And yeah. um, I've got a book right here, True Love by, T- I'm not going to say it wrong. Tick Han. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you read that? I'm sure. I you, haven't read that one. Oh, I'm going to give I you start, one. Oh, I'm going to give hey, it to I'll you. Accept. It is amazing. Yeah. I had a client of mine. This is a, uh, hopefully, so I'll go a little quick tangent. Um, I brought him to a meeting here. He was struggling with addiction Mm -hmm. and he wanted to come to a meeting like an AA meeting. And I brought him here to Wasatch. That's how I discovered Wasatch where Mm -hmm. I'm at right now. And I gave him as a man thinketh by James Allen. I go, you need to read this because that book changed my life. And he goes, well, I'll read that if you'll read this. And he handed me true love. And I went, okay. Yeah. And I read that book and I was blown away. I was like, no cool. way. This is so cool. Oh, I can't wait. So, Thank yeah, you. you'll, yeah, it'll just speak your Parting language. Prize. So. Um, so going back, I know there's so much I want to talk to you about. And man, that was a beautiful thing. You know, as you grew up, you, you know, as you said, you probably got rambunctious and, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a thinker, you're a writer. You, you, you really, I think, think on a deep level, you, you, you took a different path. Talk about that a little bit and kind of where you're at with that. Uh, different path than the church, you said? Yes. Yeah. And, and for those who maybe aren't of the LDS faith, I mean, that that's how you were raised. That's how you grew up. It's, it's ingrained in your family. For sure, yeah. <laughs> You've got, uh, you know, uh, family in the past that's obviously been high up in the church and things like that. So it's been part of your life. Sure. But yeah. you decided to take, or, or you had some things happen that took you down a different road. Yeah, it was. If intu- you don't mind sharing that. Of course not. And that was intuitive. I was, I was raised in the Latter-day Saint tradition of the Christian faith. Yeah. And it was just what you did where I grew up. I think in my, you know, suburban holiday Utah, it was close to 100%. Mormon. I mean, right. as close as you can kind of close get. you can get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, somehow at age 13 or so, totally unexpectedly. I mean, I had it had never occurred to me that there was anything outside of our way of life because you don't think that way when you're a kid. Yeah. And yet something in me stirred and said, you know, this whole church program, this whole way we're being, it's not working. Yeah. And even thinking that way, there's such dissonance. Like, it's like, sure. well, like, where else are you going to go? If you're a fish, you swim in water. That's the option. And it's like, <laughs> I was this fish in water saying like, any other options? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of tired of the water. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was disorienting. It was confusing. Yeah. It was traumatic. It was weird. Sure. All these things. Um, but I was determined. Like there was something, to this day, I don't know exactly what it was. It wasn't one thing, but it was just this something in me they said, there's, there's another way for you to be. Yeah. Um, that led to a whole lot of like misbehaving as an adolescent, like mm-hmm. adolescents do when they're angry right. and have, for sure, yeah. know, feel kind of orphaned by their family and their community mm-hmm. and their church. So, you know, I got through high school, um, 
you could say abusing substances and playing a lot of water polo and swimming. So I was like, I was like yeah. the stoned jock. That was the archetype. <laughs> if I had to sum it up in two year, two words. I was the stoned, stoned jock. jock. Okay. I even remember one time when I was <laughs> I, I was stoned and someone laughed. They're like, I've never seen such a muscly kid stoned on pot. I'm like. I don't know how to take that, but that's that's kind of like, where oh, okay. that's kind of where I, I was. I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> Can I say that on your podcast? Oh, sure, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, anyways, but it was pain. I joke about it, but it was yeah. really painful. I mean, I didn't like altering my state with substances as a teenager. I actually didn't like it, mm. um, and yet I felt so much pain inside. I felt so unwholesome, and I actually felt so much shame about myself that I didn't realize I felt. Yeah, I didn't know how to get away from it. I just didn't know what yeah. else to do. And that was years. I mean, that went on for a good five years, age 13 through the end of high school. I was wow. just kind of like reaching for anything I could do to cope. Well, high school was coping. And, and you were suffering. Totally. I mean, when you talk about dissonance, yeah. and I think, you know, for our listeners who may not understand what that exactly means, explain that. What's What's... You know, you hear the term cognitive dissonance. Sure. Can you explain that just so who maybe doesn't understand it fully? Well, like dissonance, I mean, it's like a it's like a an acoustic or musical metaphor when you have these different frequencies that don't harmonize, they clash. So it creates this kind of cacophony and uncomfortable feeling in the body. Like by dissonance, I mean, man, like I had a faith healing and I, I have this deep sense that the divine is real god is real love is real so it, it's not like i was against spirituality right and yet like the church which like from my perspective does spirituality so beautifully in so many ways how is it that that doesn't work for me anymore that yeah. should work like that was the dissonance like why am i not better adjusted and happier than i actually feel yeah right so that's kind of sure. what i mean by dissonance okay. it's like like i had nowhere to stand yeah very well uh, explained. I just want, sure. I think sometimes our listeners might, what does he mean by dissonance? That's, but, no, that's good. But hosting. it's also a form of suffering. For sure. For sure. And that's why you were acting out. You were getting stoned. You were doing all this stuff. You know, I was, all, I was like, I started drinking, you know, hard alcohol when I was 13. Yeah. 13 year old's liver, growing brain does not need, doesn't need like that. vodka, gin in the diet. <laughs> right. It just doesn't. But like, yeah. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, 18 years old. So, you know, those five years were, sure. we could spend yeah. a lot of time that we don't need yeah. to spend on yeah. that. But it was, it was rough. Yeah. And I was like really like worn to the bone, honestly. Yeah. Um, by the time I got out of high school, barely, by the way. I mean, I just barely graduated by the skin of my teeth. And at that point, I moved out of my parents' house, decided to go away to school. And like, I realized my freshman year, like, I do not have the life skills. I don't have the emotional, psychological wherewithal to take care of myself. It's like, oh, mom and dad aren't here and I have no idea how to live a life. And, the, you know, enter the Buddhists. There was, a, there was a Zen center, like an order of Zen Buddhism, a yeah. couple blocks away from my college apartment. And I just start meditating with them. And there was something about that, just entering into stillness and silence as yeah. a daily ritual. Just wow. like, no matter what was going on mentally, emotionally, or it, like, you know, in terms of activity in the world, like a heartbeat every day with the steadiness wow. of, I'm just gonna sit still. Yeah. Even if the tempest rages for 30 minutes straight and it's miserable, I'm gonna sit my butt down and I'm just gonna be still. And 
I had this intuition really early on as I was starting my Buddhist practice that even when the mind is frenetic and even when emotions are boiling and convulsing, there is this underlying stillness that yeah. I wouldn't have expected. I thought stillness goes away when things get crazy, but actually stillness is always here right now for us. Wow. That was totally revelatory. And yeah. almost 25 years later, right now in this moment, it's still revelatory because we can together right now and yeah. you know the listeners, we can just sense into this underlying stillness right now. Yeah, wow. And I every time that. we do, if we do that, Take a moment. Yeah, I this love it. stillness is so rejuvenating and restoring. It's like water to the soul. And so I've just come back here daily, and and now it's gone more from like oh I meditate in the morning to yeah. like like every moment I remember it's like oh yeah, <sighs> yeah center yourself. Oh yeah. And then I look at Todd's eyes and I feel his heart like, oh, his heart's calling me home. Oh, yeah. And it, it, so it just becomes this rhythm of life. It's just, oh, wow. you know, being. It. And it, it changed me. And yeah. so the, the reason I bring that up is that, like, it completely eliminated my need for substance abuse. It just went away. And I know it, it's I, addiction is complex and it plays out right. differently in different people's lives. Sure. I'm not saying like, hey, everyone should go meditate and that'll solve it. But what I'm illustrating is like for all of us addicts, whatever we're addicted to, if we can find that refuge and that solace in the depths of our soul, it initiates a healing experience that cannot be stopped once it starts. Wow. Yeah. That's beautifully said. <laughs> Man, it reminds me of a quote by Ganilia Norris that says, within each of us there is a silence as vast as the universe. Yeah. And when we experience that silence, we remember who we are. Yeah. And, Thank you. And, yeah, and Love that's it. what I, as you're saying this, I'm going, wow. Yeah. And, and, and I do believe that, I mean, I've had people say the same thing. You know, I, I was, because tell me what you think of this. I'm just curious because I'll tell people and I, and I get a lot of flack for this in the recovery world and, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I think like when I'm dealing with my clients, I, I'll say, you don't have a, a drug problem or an alcohol problem. You have a thinking problem. Sure. It's your thoughts that's causing all this suffering. Yeah. And so when I hear when you said you finally found, you went to that, 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 that Zen place, you yeah, know, kind of slipped into and you that just slipped into it. It was like, Oh, what is this? And it was you allowed your body to stop and your mind to stop suffering. Yes. You you stopped the suffering, right. even if it was just for ten minutes. Yeah, you at least stopped it. That's right. right? But yeah. what you really are doing too, if if, if I'm right, no. correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the expert. But you you slowed your mind or your thoughts down. Yeah, to where you could just I'm just listening to the heartbeat. Yeah, just feeling that, and in that moment you realize I'm okay. That is universal. I, I've taught many students over the years this kind of art of yeah. meditation. Love it. And it's, I've found that it's universally true when people really touch into this still point, yeah. you could say. They universally report that like, oh, there's an okayness about everything. Yeah. Even when it's all falling apart, even when like life is throwing up major challenges, 
and I feel grief and I feel loss and I feel heartbreak, I feel fear. We're still human. Yeah. And yet it's an okayness that yeah. supports that sense of well, it's okay yeah. to be this afraid. Yeah. It's okay to feel this much grief. It's all it's okay to just feel everything I'm feeling because I'm okay. Yeah. And it gives us this confidence to just embody yeah. ourselves, inhabit ourselves and like, yeah, I'm gonna live a full spectrum human life. That's wow. what we're here for. Love it. Yeah. So you have this experience and you you're starting to feel great. You you stop, you know, poisoning yourself with drugs and yeah. alcohol and yeah. all that. Yeah. And so is that when you're like, okay, I want to not only do this, but I want to, I want to learn about this and I want to teach this. I want to so talk about how this kind of led into doing what you do today. Even it came later, you know, oh, like, okay. I, I mean, so I, to be specific, I had been really deep into my Buddhist lifestyle. You could mm -hmm. say my Buddhist practice, my yeah. meditation, sutra study with scriptures is the you know, yeah. sutra is the term in the Buddhist okay. tradition. Okay. So I was, I was into it and it was, it just was giving me so much. And it was 13 years in that I had the, mm. so I'd been like 13 years, it was a while. And I was like yeah. at it with a kind of religious devotion. And then something very subtle just kind of changed all at once. And for the first time I thought like, hey, I've got a responsibility here. It went from like, I guess, healing and yeah. self-care self-discovery to this maybe maybe a kind of overflowingness like i'm good i'm just good i don't i mean yeah. i still have my stuff to figure sure. out but i'm fine I, it's okay that i still have stuff to figure out right and like i'm looking out at the world and man if people even got like a little taste of what i've been given by my teachers mentors by the traditions by yeah. by the grace that pervades all of creation they had a little bit of this it could do a lot for them too yeah. so it just shifted my focus yeah. it was about the time it wasn't too long after that that i met you yeah. um but back this happened around 2011 but a little over 10 years ago the shift where you know i'm just yeah. gonna like put my heart out there and tell people this means a lot to me and if yeah. it means something to them I'll, I'll walk with you a little bit yeah and what what a journey the last 10 years have been yeah right? it's been amazing yeah <laughs> it's been oh a, man best 10 years of my the life the stuff you've been doing has been fantastic <laughs> yeah, and totally. you're you're seriously one of one of these guys i admire so much talk about the last 10 years just i mean granted there's a lot that's happened yeah but what are you doing talk about you know um lower lights and yeah. your online course <clears throat> and just you know what you're trying to do with helping people what is your goal with this and just kind of explain to our listeners what this is all about. Yeah, totally. Thanks for that invite yeah. to talk about it. Um, I'll talk about it in a way where it's personal to me, but I also want to make an effort to translate it for people listening because yeah. I don't look at my work as like, oh, this is what I do and it's important that I do this. I believe that we're all doing this in a certain way. Okay. And if we do it consciously, we get to enjoy it a lot more. Right. And we really experience the, just the benefits of loving and being loved very deeply. Yeah. So what I want to say for me personally and locally in this, you know, like little geography where I'm from, I came home for a wedding 10 years ago and I'd been gone a long time. I'd been living in Europe and China and, and all over the, the world. world. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing all that thing. And I come back and it's like the the vibe of the wedding party and the vibe of the neighborhood and the town mm -hmm. that felt sense you get when you walk in a room when you walk yeah. in a neighborhood i felt it and i'm like this is familiar like yeah. i haven't felt like this in a long way in a long time what is that <laughs> and it was eckhart tolle calls it the pain body oh yeah i felt it's like 
I feel suffering right now, but it doesn't feel like my personal unique suffering. It just feels like humanity. It's like, what is that? It's the first time I'd felt it really? not lost in my own suffering. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I was free enough to experience it as like, what's going on? It's in the air here. Mm. And I, I kept asking into it. And it was something, if I were to put words to it, it was something like that drama, that pull I had felt as a 13 year old away from the tradition, mm-hmm. that fish who no longer wanted to swim in water. Right. It's like that was happening collectively. It's mm-hmm. like the tradition that brought us up around here, it's evolving and trying to evolve where the people in the tradition are evolving faster than the institution can keep pace with them. It it gets complex. I don't need to say too much about it, but the way the language people use around here is something like identity crisis, faith crisis, crisis, God crisis. They use the term crisis a lot and it's pointing to, I'm not who I thought I was. Life is not, it doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Even like what I thought was God seems different. And I just feel disoriented. I feel lost. I feel scared. I feel angry. So all these emotions were just like erupting to the surface. Wow. And I came back for a wedding. Mm-hmm. I thought, I know this pain. It's like my own body, yeah. but like magnif- magnified, magnified by a million. It's like, yeah. you know, out spreading through the valley and the mountains now. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just like go to the very heart of this. I'm going to just stay put and I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to become a student of the pain. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to sit with people. I'm going to sit with people in that tenderness and yeah. see what I can learn. Wow. And that's really what started that. the 10 years. Okay. That's what initiated the whole wow, I never Lower knew, Lights project. I, I, I never knew that. That that's, Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, I think that's what makes you so, why people love you so much. And I know I know you don't like the, the adoration, <laughs> but it's like you, you feel deeply. You really do. Your heart is so open. And that doesn't surprise me that you felt that on that level. Hmm. And granted, you went through a bunch of things to get you to that point to feel that, but sure. that doesn't surprise me from what I know of you. Huh. Um, so well, that's, I, I feel, <laughs> it feels like a compliment coming from if, you. It absolutely Thank is. I, I look at that as that you you feel on a great level. You feel people's pain. You feel their joy. You feel on a level yeah. that a lot of people maybe don't get to. And that's why, you know, being fully open right now is yeah. I reached out to you because I was struggling. Yeah. And I came and met with you a few times and that's what I felt from you. Thank you know, you. so yeah, it was awesome. That's, that's so, so that Thank opened you. up this door, Lower Lights. Talk about Lower Lights uh, and why, what's, why is the title Lower Lights or, lower, the, or the name? Lower Lights is one of my favorite images or metaphors that comes from the Christian tradition. It's, yeah. it's from a Protestant hymn. I love hymns. I love music. And yeah. there's a hymn. Uh, it, it was originally called uh, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. It goes by a different name now in our faith tradition, but, you know, let the lower lights be burning. And the idea, I'll, I'll give an abbreviated story because sure. I could make a whole, <laughs> invite me back, we'll make a whole podcast episode <laughs> okay, out of this. All right, we'll but do it, it. But essentially, <laughs> uh, let the lower lights be burning, there was this captain of a ship and they were trying to come in to dock mm-hmm. on a very stormy night. And what happens is like pre-GPS, pre-modern instrumentation, navigation instruments. They had the upper lights, which is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those are the upper lights. The lower lights are the lights along the shore. It's the lighthouse. It's the the inhabitants of the village who like, you know, put on a lamp so that the mariners coming in can actually see, oh, we got about 
200 meters before we hit that rocky shoal, uh, right? Yeah. And if the lower lights aren't burning, all is lost. Wow. God, universal love, <laughs> intelligence, spirit, whatever we call it, can do all its work. All of the bodies of heaven are shining, but if we on the ground don't light our lamp, we're completely lost. Wow. So to me, the metaphor of lower lights is like, we have an opportunity as human beings to be vessels mm. of this divine light. The upper lights are the lower lights. It's all just light. And we can live in a way where we're in alignment with this light. <coughs> Excuse me. No worries. <laughs> Todd's so emotional, right? I was I'm, choked up because really I'm just am, on a actually. roll. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> but good that's, stuff. that's what it is, you know, the lower lights. So to me, it's this real... Uh, invitation and even a challenge to rise up to like if we really let the lower lights be burning if we're light unto ourselves and others what kind of world can we create together thank you for sharing that <clears throat> very well said and it makes a, a lot of sense and how important that is mm -hmm. so I I knew there was a cool story behind why you <laughs> named it that um, so tell us what that's all about and what do you do and what why would people come to you what why yeah. would they want to you know sign up or, yeah. or learn more about you and all that stuff what what do you guys do there well, i don't know if people want to learn about me so much <laughs> as like there's there's like a dance we do there's a way we are together at lower lights that i i hope is supportive to the people who show up there are a lot of different ways to talk about the work we do i think it's helpful to take a bit of the big picture into like take account of the big picture when we look at like what we're doing at Lower Lights. Uh, if we go way back, we look at the formation of the great world religions, the great right. wisdom traditions. Once they're set in motion, you know, like the, the, Mahabh the Muhammads and the Buddhas and the Jesuses, and mm -hmm. the, you know, they, they just unleash this force on the world. Right. Then these traditions evolve, they change over time. If you study the traditions, they evolve dramatically over time. Yeah. Uh, I think the effects of that change and evolution have never been more felt than in the 21st century. In other words, like we're in an information age where there's rich exchange between all the traditions and worldviews and ways of life. Yeah. And that puts, I think, a healthy developmental pressure on the traditions like, hey, these guys are doing it this way. What if we did it this way? We've been doing it this way for 2000 years. Yeah. What if we did a little more of that in yeah. our lane? Right. So it, it's stimulating all of this change in the traditions. Mm. And because the institutions are changing, I think, at a rate more rapid than they ever have people within the traditions are gonna feel jostled. Yeah. And they're gonna feel like, is this home for me? Or is there a better place for me? Um, and when I say traditions, I, I deeply honor the you know, uh, secular traditions of right. the modern era. Sure. Um, the, the traditions of atheism, agnosticism are manifold. And there are people that I know of and work with who have deep faith within that context. So it's not, when, yeah. I, when I talk about traditions, it's not just, oh, that person believes in God. That person believes in Dharma. That person believes in Vishnu. It, it's, it's more than that. It's that as human beings, we strive to make meaning of our lives. Yeah. And we ask ourselves, what would be a meaningful way for me to spend the only life that I've got here? And it turns out that that is a disruptive question to be asking these days because the answers that seem so pat yeah. and so sure, even, even a few years ago, now people are like, I'm not so sure. Like, I've got new questions that I didn't even know I had. 
and that creates suffering disorientation yeah. fear yeah and lower lights is the space where we hold the questions really deeply and we we try to really honor as broad a spectrum of human experience as we can and wow. just walk together i love that so whatever you know let's see if any of that's usable in post Todd. <laughs> that's what i got for you today no, <laughs> <laughs> no i love that yeah. so is it would it be considered like a mindfulness course uh when they come to you is i mean is that how you would phrase it i'm just that's a for really, our listeners that's a great question you know my core skill set is in meditation yeah. so we do a lot of that i think it's a really powerful tool to make use of for and, sure and mm. i also work a lot with developmental psychology uh, just a quick sidebar on developmental psychology here for a long time psychologists believed that there were you know certain number of uh childhood stages of development right and it's just been in the last 50 years or so that scientists researchers psychologists have discovered as many stages of adulthood as exist in childhood so think about that for a moment oh, wow. you go through like 20 stages of child development whatever and then yeah. like you hit whatever voting age 18 or you hit 25 and you're out of school and you have your yeah. first job and you're <clears throat> you know, whatever, all that stuff. And we think, yeah. oh, he's an adult, she's an adult, they're an adult. And actually what the field of developmental psychology says is like, this is just the very beginning mm. of this new stage of life. So that, that set of tools helps us ask questions about like, what is your life asking you to become right now? Wow. And it turns out we never stop asking that question. Yeah. There's no, I like to say there's no <clears throat> terminus to, to adult development. There's no point at which it's like, oh, now I'm really an adult. I'm good. Right. It's like, you know, hang it up. Yeah, I don't need to learn anymore. Life's over. Yeah, like transformation is boundless and yeah. endless. And when we take that in, man, adulthood looks really different. Wow, and I think it's a good <laughs> thing though. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> it reminds me of another quote, and I don't know if Benjamin Franklin actually really said this because you know how like, People Quotes, always get misquoted. Internet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I love the quote though. Yeah. It says some people die at twenty five but aren't buried until they're seventy five. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. We get to a certain point, yep, I've hit adulthood. Yeah. I've I've capped out. Yeah. I can't learn much anymore. I'm totally. kind of an old dog. I can't learn new tricks. And I live my life that way. And that becomes just we just exist. Right. We're not truly living. So when we ask these tough questions, yeah, they might be uncomfortable, but man, it's really making us really live. Totally. I love that. The, uh, who was it? There, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a great teacher uh, whom I really revere, and he says something to the extent of we have to let go of our fantasy of comfortable transformation. Ooh. Right, and he's taught right. Yeah. If we're really, I think the soul does long to transform. Yeah, we long for that transfiguring light buried in yeah. the heart of the universe. Yeah, and yet we also know intuitively that that light comes at a cost. It costs us what we know and what helps yeah. us feel secure. So it's this great dynamic of life mm -hmm. of like what I want most, which is to grow, is what I fear most, which is to grow. <laughs> and how can I yeah. navigate that path? other than by grace and love and a little help from my friends. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, a little help from my friends for sure. <laughs> we all need that, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of ties into my next question, and I kind of prefaced it earlier. Like, there's so much suffering going on. Yeah. You know, people suffer. 
And I know that's, you know, people say that's life, you know, that's part of life. We're going to suffer. And I get that, you know, and I look at my life right now and I'll even say this to my clients. Most of the time I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. Life's pretty good. Yeah, I have moments of suffering. Sure. Right. But I also see, and maybe it's because of my profession too. I see so much suffering with people. Right. I wanted to get your perspective on that and why, why that is, yeah. you think, and, and what your thoughts are about suffering. It's a big one, Todd. I know. Well, let me talk about what it's not, or let me okay. start with like, you know, I'm steeped in the Buddhist tradition and, yeah. A, a refrain I hear a lot from Buddhists, which I think is well intended, but I want to like challenge it a little bit. Sure. They talk about uh, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Mm. And there's a whole worldview around how we can learn to be in pain, but be accepting of it and yeah. have equanimity with it, mm. be relaxed, etc. And I honestly feel like that's a bit glib. I don't know if I would say like, yeah, suffering's optional. I don't, I haven't ever met a human being that doesn't suffer profoundly. Yeah. So, you know, maybe suffering is built into form. Yeah. And if that's the case, then if, and like maybe I'll wax a little Christian here. What if suffering is potentially redemptive? Yeah. What if, what if our suffering is actually an invitation of grace to transform? To me, that feels a little bit more closer to home yeah. than like acting as though every time I suffer, it's like, oh, I'm doing that to myself. I think there's truth to that. I think there's an important right. truth and tradition right. to that. Yeah. But I'm actually of the school of thought that so long as we're in form, suffering is real. But depending on the way in which we suffer, we can resent our suffering and we can rage against our suffering. Yeah. We can consecrate our suffering. Wow. We we can kneel down to our suffering. There are different ways to be human. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's a big topic, but I would say, you know, what would I say? Being in the presence of suffering, I've I've learned more and more to recognize that there's a sacrament here. Mm. Something holy that's descended for our partaking. How are we gonna do it? Wow. Well, that's, uh, <clears throat> you, uh, I know, I know that's a big question and there's a lot there and I love how you, you phrased all of that. What, what could you say to someone right now who's listening, mm-hmm. who is suffering mm-hmm. and it, it feels like it's constant yeah. and they're just maybe in a rut and they just can't find their way out of it. They feel hopeless. Yeah. What would you tell that person right now that's listening to you? I'll tell you what comes up and you know prayers that this is useful to who's listening earlier in the show we talked about an underlying stillness like life can seem super chaotic on the surface but mm-hmm. in the depths it's like oh there's this restorative stillness that's here suffering can very much seem bottomless and endless and meaningless yeah and <clears throat> tormenting mm-hmm. and what i find in suffering is that like in the that's the surface level of suffering. In the depths of suffering, I find a universal love and compassion. I would call it a divine love. Mm. And to just orient towards suffering in that way has really changed my relationship to it. So I'd, I would just share, I don't know if I'm inviting people, but I'll share personally and hopefully vulnerably yeah, please. that when I 
just continued to like sound the depths of my own suffering, mm. I'm amazed to always find new depths of love. Yeah, wow, very well said. Because I, I know people listening to this, there a lot of people tune into this show because they yeah. struggled. Right. Or they are struggling, or they have a, a, a son or a daughter, who, right. and they're not sure, right. what do I tell my son or daughter? I mean, right. what what could we also, what could a parent tell their child who has this dissonance? I mean, could anyone have said anything to you back then when you had this dissonance that would have changed your view of it, or, or did you just have to go through it? You know, I think both. Okay. Both. Which okay. is lovely. Like, yeah. no, nothing could have taken that away from me, I think. Mm, okay. And actually, thank goodness nothing took that away from me. Oh. I, I truly hope every human being lives to see the point where they can look back at that and say, like, oh, wow, like, that's what that was. Yeah. That's what that was. When that contracted love of suffering relaxes, breathes, and expands into its full glory we realize like, oh, that was somehow God's universe's way of purifying me, redeeming me. Yeah, so That's it was happening for you. Totally. Versus to you, right. like you were being it. But in the moment, you don't see that. Right, you can't see yeah. it. So, so <clears throat> yes, I needed to go through it. And I remember, this is a granddad story again, but I remember in a time of particularly acute suffering, this guy just looking at me and he just said something to the effect of, I know you're gonna be fine. He, all he did was express loving confidence in me. Man. And I was lucky like to have a family member express true loving confidence in me is a gift and a privilege beyond all privileges. Yeah. What I would say to people listening, maybe you don't have a family member in this moment with that kind of maturity and wisdom. Many of us don't certain times yeah. but I would say that there is a there is something beyond the family member there's something even beyond the personal realm where there's something transpersonal there's something universal there's something divine that's actually yeah. saying that to us right now in its own way yeah. that, like Todd like you got this like yeah. I, I am holding you deeply yeah. we got this this. And if we can learn to tune into that, I feel like, you know, often you see me kind of touching yeah, my you, sternum yeah, right here. That, like yeah. I, it's not my brain that's thinking up here. It's not even my feeling body, which has its own intelligence, but like right here at the center of my heart, that's where I tune into that radio signal. Like, I love you. You got this. Mm -hmm. We got this. Yeah. That's a good radio program to tune into. That's a good one. We don't listen yeah. to it enough. We really don't. <laughs> You're, and that's so true. And we can laugh, but it's true, though. Yeah. Like, you know how you said when you were at that wedding and you felt you felt this suffering and it was yeah. like you could feel it from humanity in that totally. moment. Like, I, I have moments of that, too. Like, and I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to just get on a soapbox and talk about social media and how bad it is or whatever. Sure. But when I'll be at a restaurant or at a, a store and you see everyone's looking down to yeah. their phone. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're just endlessly just looking through stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like, man, this is a problem. Yeah. And and I'm guilty of it too. So I'm not trying to say I'm above that yeah. and I haven't had those issues too, you know. Yeah. But I've heard it once said and I can't, I, 
I don't take credit for this. And I, I know I heard it from someone. I can't remember who said it, but he said, we used to look down, or excuse me, we used to look up for inspiration. Now we're looking down. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's dystopian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry to bring a downer to this. But but I I think that's, you know, I just think being in tune like that is also a good thing, though, yeah. because it's allowed you to do what you do so well. Mm. It's helping people through this, you know, like you said, what do they call it? A faith crisis, a God crisis, yeah. or just a personal crisis, whatever they want to call that. Yeah. Um, but I think because of what you've been through, like we said, it happened for you. You're in a position now to be able to, hey, let's stop looking down. Yeah. Let's look up. And whatever that looks like for someone. If it's yeah. the if it's the Christian faith, if it's a Buddhism, yeah. if it's something else, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, of course. But let's let's tap into that, and we don't do it enough, like you said. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. Hope Beauti- that made Beauti- sense. No, beautifully said. Beautifully yeah. said. Yeah. Well, if someone wants to reach out to you mm-hmm. and ask you a question, yeah. or get to know you better, or to come come be part of your programs yeah, and, totally. and your courses and things yeah. like that, how would they do that? Website is the best way. Okay, it's ironic, right? We just talked to them about looking <laughs> down for inspiration. Now we're sending them to their devices. Yes. Uh, hopefully, I this know. is uplifting online yeah. literature. It's there like, is good for that for sure. Lowerlightswisdom.org. So lower, as in lower the lights. Yeah. Lowerlightswisdom.org. Okay. And that's where, like, that's the hub for all our for s- services, events, okay, programs, all that C- stuff. Can so. someone reach out to you there, like, if they did have a question and yeah. they, yeah, they want to yeah. know more about you and yeah. more about your story? Would yeah. they be okay to do that? Yeah, okay. Totally. <laughs> I Might always take like a to while to get to them. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll do our. He's best. a busy. We man. do our best to answer yeah. all emails. But. It took me a year and a half to get him on the show. Yeah, so right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. But uh, well, I mean, I could talk to you all day. Honestly, you're yeah. you're amazing. The feeling in the room's amazing, and uh, I just love just again like the way you carry yourself, and you wouldn't be in this position had you not gone through that difficult difficulties. Um, as you were growing up and, you know, traveling the world, all these things that you were doing to just try to find your place. And man, I just love that you've, you've found it and you're helping others find it. Mm-hmm. And I just think I love what you do. Thank you, Todd. You make yeah. it really easy to share my heart. So I yeah, hope so. credit goes to the host. <laughs> thank you. Well, you don't, uh, you don't have to say that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, thanks for your time. And, and so folks, there you go. Thomas McConkey, he's amazing. Please reach out to him. Check out his website. Uh, reach out to him. Ask him a question. Check out his courses. If you if you're struggling or suffering on any level, it doesn't have to be a faith crisis. It doesn't have to be, you know, have to even deal with religion. If it's just you're just struggling, reach out to Tom. Just the basic dilemma of being a human being. Exactly. Is what we're all struggling yeah. with. <laughs> and I think what's good is teaching. You know, I think if we can learn to to tap into that stillness. And that silence. Um, and so I'm going to challenge our listeners. Please reach out to them and, and try this out and learn some techniques that you can do on your own to, to tap into that. Yeah. Well, I'll plug quickly. This Please. is a free service. We Please. have a podcast that our nonprofit, it's a nonprofit organization, Lower Lights. And we have a podcast called Mindfulness Plus. So you can nice. check out a lot of bite-sized, Please. downloadable yeah. episodes on mindfulness yeah. with a plus sign. 
with Thomas McConkey. So that's yeah. on the website, and you can find that also where you get your podcast. Yeah. That's a good Sorry, way to I was bring a mention little more. That. Yeah, that's bring beautiful. a little more stillness in your life. Absolutely, so. please do that, and thanks for bringing that up. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you for your time. You're amazing. I'm, gr- I'm grateful to call you a friend. Yeah, likewise. This has been fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. You bet. Love you guys. Until next time. <laughs>